You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. All right, cut the music, cut the music. Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It was birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle. And uh, we are giving away an autographed Paul Horning jersey, the home green Beckett style, autographed by the uh, – the uh, golden boy, Paul Horning. Um, we're going to be giving that away here probably in the next 30 to 60 days. So make sure that you get yourself uh, entered into that contest. Basically, all you got to do is go to my Twitter page at Packers underscore access. Um, follow that account. Make sure you retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top of the page that will enter you in the contest one time. But also on that tweet, you will notice there's a uh, another tweet that's attached from uh, Ryan Schlitt, Pack Daddy. And um, basically, they have a link to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry right there on that tweet. For every $5 that you donate, you'll get entered into that drawing one additional time. And we want to thank John in Arizona for a huge donation, man, out there making a difference. We really, really appreciate you, bro. But again, get you guys, uh, get yourselves in the in the drawing for that Paul Horning jersey for sure. Now, I've got a special guest on the line with me today from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Um, Jacob is going to join us here, and we're going to just kind of you know, we woke up and said, what do we want to do? And we'll figure it out. And that's what we're going to do. We got an email from a listener that we're going to cover. And that kind of led into some other things that I've been sharing on Twitter that we're going to kind of hit. And we're going to talk about probably a little bit of everything. But I think the main topic for today is going to be Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, everybody's got an opinion right now, right? And we're going to play a couple of those, uh, a couple of videos for you guys, um, two of which come from uh, Michael Lombardi. And, and, you're either getting one or two reactions right now, Jacob. You're either getting people going, oh, I can't stand Michael Lombardi, or you're getting, oh, man, I love Michael Lombardi. There's never anything in between. So we're going to play that, and I'm going to tell you why we're going to play it as we get into it because he's someone that, whether you like his personality or not, like I was telling Jacob offline, I cannot stand his personality. He's brash. He's disrespectful. He's just – I appreciate when people say what's on their mind. I feel like he says a lot of things – that you wouldn't say to somebody's face, and that always irks me. But before we get into it, Jacob, how you doing this morning, man? I know you've been battling a little bit of the flu. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm on the way up, that's for sure. But it's been a long one, man. It's been like 10, 12 days now. It is currently 5 degrees in Hudson with a wind chill of 10 to 12 miles per hour. Ooh. My car, I got to go out there after this and start that up before I go work for uh, about 10 hours today. So it's, it's going to be one of those nice Saturday – Wisconsin days, but I'm ready for it. Yeah, that sucks, dude. That uh, that flu's going around down here as well. Um, like I was telling you offline, my my whole sister's uh, household caught it, and they were worried of COVID and this and that and everything else, and went and got tested. It was type A flu, and it sounds like it's an ugly one. So I uh, hope you get to feeling better soon, man. Appreciate you joining us today for sure, too. I know sometimes talking a little football make you feel a little bit better. So all right, let's get into it. We got an email from a listener. This comes from Chuck Jaggers. Chuck Jaggers says, what's up, guys? Listening to a few different podcasts, and it's 
it's way too funny how guys and gals are turning on Aaron. We have one disappointing season, and we want to throw away a four-time MVP that wants to stay in Green Bay. I would be, I could be completely wrong, but I've made so much money and collected Green Bay gear from Bears and other fan bases. Getting Aaron was uh, betting Aaron was going to leave. I hate reading off this computer screen, man. It is, it is so tiny. Um, I don't have much of it. But money talks, baby, and Aaron could get that three-year deal anywhere. That doesn't already have a franchise quarterback. Every time I heard Aaron is leaving, he signs a new contract, and we're talking about it here. Now Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers this year. How many teams that aren't making the playoffs now making the quarter, are, are now making the quarterback switch? This isn't basketball where you can throw one of your bench players in the starting lineup. QB1 starts the season until it's over. How is this complicated? It's been like this forever. Why are you trying to push Aaron out? Sorry, I got a little lengthy, but geez, you guys, how long have we been able to pump our chest out and talk our stuff? We can have a down year. It's happened before. We can get out. Love you guys. Keep it up and go, Pat, go. So sorry I read that on third grade level, but it's hard to read off of this computer screen. So, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what Chuck said. Um, when it comes to starting Jordan, right? And first of all, I can understand both sides of the argument, like not argument, conversation. I can understand that people want to get a look at Jordan Love. I mean, I get that. For me, the downside, Jacob, is if you do go to Jordan Love, there's one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to come away and go, oh, man, he's an absolute stud. And now Aaron Rodgers on your roster for the next three years and you're screwed. Right. Or. And, it, well, let me say this. It drives the cost of Jordan Love up in re-signing him. Every time he goes out and plays well, that contract is going to go up, period. Now, if he goes out and he flops, right, then, okay, you know he's not the guy. You don't re-sign him and you keep moving forward with Aaron, right? So this, this whole idea of forget what Aaron wants, screw Aaron Rodgers, let's just start Love over him. Aaron obviously doesn't want that. LaFleur doesn't want that. It would have to come from the higher-ups. If they come in and do that, I feel like that creates more turmoil than positive. So I kind of feel like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, you correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you have definitely leaned towards, hey, let's put Jordan Love in. What do you feel like the positives are? man? What am I missing there that in your mind you go, okay, here's what I think, what good I think can come out of Jordan Love playing? Yeah, so what I would say, and I think that there are people like me, my whole theme on our last podcast when I was talking with the boys about this was people are losing, losing grip of the fact that you, two things can be true at once as a fan. And exactly. I'm in that, I'm in, I'm in that category that on one hand, I can be thankful that we have a four time reigning NFL MVP that won us the Super Bowl that has been amazing for memories and highlights and um, want to keep him and see him retire and ride off into the sunset. And on the same, on a different hand, you can say that I have to be, excited and confident that love possibly could be another quarterback that rides our franchise for 15 years. You know, we have a, a, a young phenom that's still growing, you know, but at the same time, I look at this year specifically and I'll be completely honest. I've been one of those fans that have been really hot and cold with Rogers. I've kind of recently been a lot more pro Rogers just because I like some of the, you know, not necessarily his stances, but I like the way that he's just being communicative and telling people, his side of the story rather than having everybody just write the narrative about him. 
that part I like, but then my specific in this year was basically three things. One is it his performance that deserves to be benched. I think we've already kind of flushed that out. That's not really the case. Um, that's a media narrative that when you look at the numbers, I've listened to a whole bunch of, you know, your podcasts. I'm just, I was listening to Ryan's before we started. We could talk about how Justin Fields is a paper tiger because um, <laughs> I, I just feel like Rogers' performance is not far off of some of his even NB, MVP level years, which people might laugh at, but it's true if you look at the numbers. And then, but for me, the biggest thing this year is his injury. His injury, he has a broken thumb. And then at this point in the season, when we're nearly mathematically, you know, not possible to make the playoffs when he has a torn torso and whatever he's this torso injury is, you can almost bet that it's worse than what he's saying, because that's just how he rolls. You know what I'm saying? The guy gets a lot of knack for not being Brett Favre, but nobody's Brett Favre. And he's about as close to being Brett Favre as you can be as far as playing through injuries. Um, so that's where I'm at, man. And I, and I go back and forth and I'm, you know, I've talked about it with Justin and Tony about how, like, going into this December 19th game, having, you know, we'll, I'll disclose, we paid a lot of money, man, to get into these nice seats, and hopefully we thought we were watching a playoff run. And now I don't know if I want to – if what I'm what I'm walking into, I'm, am I walking into watching a Jordan Love Blossom game or am I walk, watching a Aaron Rodgers, you know, John Wayne gritting it out till the end game? I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, for me, um, let me just comment on the Rams game. I I am so jacked. I'm still excited as all heck. Yeah, it's it's just something about Lambeau. There's something about that town. Um, We've got a whole week planned where we're hitting all the sites. We're going to go to Curly Lambeau's childhood home. We're going to do all these different things. Um, You know, no matter what, no matter who's starting at quarterback for that game, I'm excited because it's either going to be Aaron Rodgers, right, um, and the Packers trying to win out, or it's going to be Jordan Love, and the whole time it's going to be, let's see what we got here. Um, so I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about it. But as far as, you know, should Aaron play, shouldn't he play, um, for me it's real simple. Like I think Chuck hit the nail on the head, and there's other people that believe the same thing. It's like, you know, the, 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 the folks that are just saying, oh, just pull Aaron, just, you know, go ahead and put Jordan in. You, you know, who has done that? Who has done it? I'll tell you a team that's done it right now. It's Washington. Washington is done. The Washington Commanders have pulled Carson Wentz and put yeah. in uh, Heineke. Heineke, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, so who else? That's it. That's all we can think of. So we want to go down the same path that maybe, Washington's going down. Maybe Baker. That's the only other one I can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, in, in and Carolina. That, that's it's not yeah. it's not two uh, two teams that I want to idolize right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think the conversation that that a lot of people don't want to have or they don't want to acknowledge is the Packers probably already know what they have in Jordan Love, and. You know, they, you know, everybody's like, well, we've got to see him in, in, in big games and this and that. Guys, you're not going to see that as long as Aaron Rodgers is here. So I kind of feel like they've evaluated him. They know what they got. They're either going to re-sign him or they're not going to pick up the fifth-year option and let him go. Because I hear people go, you need to pick up the fifth-year option. If you pick up the fifth-year option, guys, it's the same thing as a franchise tag. It's just a little less in value. His is going to be over $20 million, and it cannot be maneuvered at all. If they sign him to a long-term contract or, or just a three-year extension, 
and they give him, let's say they give him, you know, 30 million guarantee. Well, that's more than the 20 million. And they do it on a two year extension and give him some other incentives in there. He's going to be more likely to sign that than he is, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, wanting to be a fifth year option. So, you know, when you sign to a contract, you can finagle that cap room and move it around to where you can free up room to either, you know, shop in free agency or extend other people, Rashawn Gary, people like that. So um, I think it's important to understand exactly what the fifth year option is. Now I'm going to play a video here, Jacob. I'm going to share my screen. So you may get echo. If you talk, I'm going to, by the time we get back to talking, I'm going to unshare it. <clears throat> There's a guy, Michael Lombardi, who's made a lot of waves here lately. Now, again, like I said, at the top of the top of the hour here, um, the, uh, when it comes to Michael Lombardi, you love him or you hate him. It doesn't seem like there's anything in between. I absolutely love his resume. I've read both of his books. Um, I, I love fall. I basically went back and studied his entire career because everywhere he's went, there, there's been success. I'm going to read his resume. And the reason I'm going to read his resume is because there's people on Twitter that are like, this guy's a moron. He doesn't know anything. I know more about football than him, blah, blah, blah. Let me read his resume here. Okay. In 1981, Jacob, what year were you born, bro? 87. Yeah, I was born in 82. So before we were even crapping yellow, right, <laughs> this dude was a recruiting coordinator at UNLV. Then he went to San Francisco from 84 to 87 and worked under Bill Walsh as a scout. Then he went to the Cleveland Browns as a scout from 87 to 89. Then he got promoted in Cleveland to the pro personnel director from 89 to 93. Let me give you an idea here, guys. San Francisco, he was working under Bill Walsh. In Cleveland, he was working under Bill Belichick, okay? This is right before they moved the team to Baltimore. Um, in uh, Cleveland, he got promoted to director of player personnel. Um, and then he goes to Philly in 98, and he's the, the director of pro personnel there. By the way, let me hit pause. He was in Philly when John Gruden was in Philly. And he went on this talk about you. you and he used to say this as John Gruden was coaching in Vegas before everything happened with the email and all the fallout. Whether you agree or disagree with that, that's not what the story's about. He talked about how Gruden didn't know what the F he was doing. And, and he, he got it covered up in Tampa by a great defense and this and that. And I'm going, come on. Everything he's talked about, Ryan's talked about too. Everything he's talked about, Jacob, I'm like, hey, shut up, dude. That's not true. And then lo and behold, three years later, I'm going, holy cow, here we are. You know, he, he's kind of said it about LaFleur. And I'm like, shut up, dude. You're just hating on LaFleur. And then we come out this year without Devontae, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's proving me wrong again. But Yeah, I'm worried know. about um, – just real quick on that note, I, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't respect Lombardi or consider him maybe like one of those clickbaity type media people. But I think there's a difference between being an actual NFL insider as an insider, as somebody that's literally been in the rooms with these GMs, with these coaches, with these players, and that knows – how they interact in that system and they've they've seen what it takes to run an organization and i think like you said what was it was it mayock and gruden that went over there and both of them were supposedly so highly touted and both of them had no idea what they were doing completely right. so many first round picks that were wasted so it was it's unbelievable but he uh again in philly i mentioned that because he talked about gruden in his time in philly in philly he was director of pro personnel then he went to oakland from 98 to 2007 he was the senior personnel executive. Then he went back to Cleveland as a general manager and VP from 2013 to 2014. And then in 2014, he got hired back on by Bill Belichick in New England. He was the assistant to the coaching staff and uh, obviously won, won two, two Super Bowls while he was there. 
um, in that front office. So please, please, please don't come at me with Lombardi doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. Guys, this this dude has forgotten more about football than I will ever know. OK, so we've got to preface everything with that. And and, and I, I wanted to mention that because, um, you know, I wanted to kind of let you know this is the guy that I'm playing this. With. This is who's talking here. OK, this isn't just some loud mouth, you know, as he refers to himself, short, fat Italian that likes to shoot his mouth off. Right. <laughs> and if you read War Room, man, that dude, he really ruffled some feathers um, in the book War Room. You got to read that. That was that's basically a story about. Um, it's a book written about mainly Scott Pioli and his heritage, but also um, when I say heritage, his football heritage, how he's come up through the game. But it also talks about a lot of the assistant coaches that was in New England that went on to be executives and coaches everywhere else. It's a really, really good book, really insightful. But, um, yeah, so here he is. I'm going to play this real quick. I'm going to share the screen. This first video um, was on the Pat McAfee show. Listen, guys. There may be a little bit of cussing on here. So if you've got kids in the room, please, please, please um, turn it down to where they can't hear it. I don't think it's horrible, but I think there might be one or two words that there's no way I could beep out. So please, you've you've been warned. Don't, you know, be prepared to hear a couple of bad words. Here, but here we go. It's about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers possibly getting either traded for Rodgers or Brady signing back to New England. Do you see any of that stuff kind of happening, Lomba? Look, I think Aaron Rodgers, when he signed his contract with the with the Packers this offseason, he signed it for three years. I mean, they made the decision, and I think it was the right decision to make that the, that Aaron Rodgers, after having two MVP seasons, is going to play three more years at a high level. So let's continue to build a team around him. Now, I don't think they've done a good job in that area, but this whole notion that we're going to put Jordan Love in the game and see what we have is ridiculous. They've already made that decision back in April. They're going to go with Aaron right now. If he's not healthy enough to play, don't play him. I'm all for that. But to me, they, they can't go down that direction. They've already made that decision. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers in 2023 because they gave him a contract that is worth it. I don't know what Brady. I think Brady, if you understand Brady like I understand Brady, is Brady need. Let me hit pause there. So he kind of hit on something there, Jacob, that, that I talked about on the last podcast I did where – it's a three-year deal. It's a three-year commitment to Aaron. And there was rumors of there being a fourth year, and it sounds like Aaron's camp talked him out of the fourth because he doesn't want to play that long, right? And and one of the things that's gotten lost in the shuffle is they begged him to come back. They absolutely begged Aaron to come back. I, I played that clip of Coach LaFleur on the podium when, when they were asking him about it when Aaron was still undecided a couple of years ago, and I got like secondhand embarrassment, Jake. Because he was like, I want him back in the worst way. And that's exactly how he sounded. I was like, oh, my God, this is pathetic. Like, And, and I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, right? It was just hard to hear. But when he said that right there about the three-year deal, anything there you want to comment on, anything you disagree with? I mean, it, to me, it was a three-year commitment. Now you got to make the decision on Jordan Love, right? But how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, when he talks about we've already seen Jordan Love, it just – that's the whole problem with Jordan Love is we kind of have and we haven't. We've seen him in like, you know, the Chiefs game or in cleanup duty or in preseason. And he looks so great in the beginning of camp, blah, blah, blah. We keep hearing that story. And then we, we never get to really see him obviously because we've got one of the goats, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with his take at all. I think I would also just highlight and get your opinion quick. Now that they've ruled Bakhtiari out, does that give you any pause to start Rogers specifically in this game? Ooh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, I think I, mean, I think they're we gonna got, play. We got we got his blind side unprotected. Well, I mean, just 
from other than Bakhtiar. We've got his torso injury. We've got his broken thumb. Like, what more are we going to throw at this guy and be like, yeah, dance for us. Now be an MVP. Yeah. He made a, he made a comment on the McAfee show last Tuesday that I think a lot of people missed. And I'm really excited to hear the details of it. And I know they'll revisit it after the season because it's obvious Aaron didn't want to talk about it. But he said, I went in and got the x-rays or the MRI um, during the Philly game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he said something along the lines, Jacob, of, uh, yeah, that's a story I'll tell you guys after the season. But that was very interesting, something like that. And I was like, what What was – and they said, I, man, that'd be hilarious if there was like a line and they made him wait and this and that. I think it might have been, and I'm being real, something immediately sparked in my mind. What if it was one of the training staff for Green Bay said, hey, look, Aaron, yeah, you're nothing structurally wrong here. You, you got some pain, but it's a good reason to shut it down if you want to. Like, if they said that to him and it ticked him off, yeah. like it's almost like, okay, I ain't going to be a distraction during the season. I'm it's, I'm about 5% sure that's what happened. So, please take this with a grain of salt. But that's the first no, thing that popped in my that's, mind. So, that's a super Aaron Rodgers thing to do. Like, oh, that's absolutely. A, and that's a 4D checker or chess move, you know what I'm saying? Because that's just yeah. that's leaving himself just the tiniest window where he can just come back around. And if he wants to, if he decides to hit, like, that red button at the beginning of the preseason, he can just hit it and start this whole media <laughs> campaign over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's the thing, guys. I – I appreciate everything he's done. Um, I, I personally like the fact that he tells people what he thinks. I mean, we we hear people all the time. Oh, it's always the same stupid cliches and this and that. And then Aaron gets up there and tells him exactly what's on his mind. It's like, look at this selfish prick. Right? It's like, what are we, <laughs> how, how does how do we go? Like, I don't get it. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue playing this video. So here, let's let's get into the second part. And there's a little bit of Tom Brady talk because there's obviously a parallel there. With him and Brady kind of coming to the end of their career. And there's rumors of Brady possibly going back to New England. I think it's BS. But let me get to the second half of this video. Eats a nickel running back. He's had it with with Kevin Falk, Shane Vereen, James White. He needs a slot receiver. Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman. He needs a tight end. Gronk. Hernandez. He needs those three inside receivers. Yeah. It's like what Chuck was saying there before I got on. Chuck was talking about once we get a read on the quarterback, we know him. Well, quarterbacks are like basketball players. They where they shoot where great basketball players love to shoot the ball, they make it, right? Well, quarterbacks are the same way. They have certain areas of the field they want to throw the ball in. Brady wants to throw it in the middle of the field. And so you've got to give him players that can win in the middle of the field. Mike Evans is a great player, but that's not Brady's strength throwing nine rounds. That's not Brady's strength throwing deep comebacks. Brady's strength is throwing over routes, inside cuts. And I don't think they've done they've given him that team. They did last year when they had Gronk, when they had a nickelback, but they haven't done it. So for me, I I don't know what Brady will do, but I don't see a decline in either player's play. Look, Rogers is playing with a bad thumb. Like, I think the problem with the Packers is simply this. You lose Devontae Adams, you can't run that offense with him not there. You just can't do it. Would the Patriots welcome all right, let's comment on that, Jacob, because that, that sparked a big, big conversation. You heard me all offseason going, I don't know, man. I think I think without without Devontae Adams, there's going to be more progressions read, and we're going to you know kind of lean on concepts and this and that. And I didn't think we'd miss him as much as we have. I was 233% wrong. I'm just going to tell you right now. And, and you look at all the offenses across the board that run the same system, they have at least one number one wide receiver, in some cases, two of them. So what he's talking about here is you lose Devontae Adams, 
and you don't replace him. Granted, Christian Watson is on track. I'm not saying to be Devontae Adams, but to be a number one wide receiver. And I keep trying to curb the enthusiasm, but it's hilarious, bro, because every single week, Jacob, I have another reason to get excited. I'm like, what? He's forcing me into this. All right, we got a stud here, right? So, um, yeah, with what he said there about not adding Devontae Adams, there's another part to it, too. And uh, let me just finish playing here real quick because he says something about the tight ends. God, McAfee's an idiot, man. I love it. With what seven minutes to go in the second quarter, they didn't score another time. They punted the whole the rest of the game. Like there's just not enough. There doesn't seem to be enough rhythm. And I think part of it too is Brady's used to adjustments. I mean, he wants the game adjusted out. I think we're seeing less than that in that of pro football. I think. Oh the, yeah. The Aaron said, "Did you hear Aaron say it?" Aaron said, "A uh, a dumb monkey could do what I'm doing right now in the system." He said, "There's no, it's not really thinking anymore. It's just like do the system, throw the ball here." Isn't that because the offensive coordinators have become the gurus and? That is why that has happened, or what do you think? Look, look, the coach's job is to give the players the best chance to win, right? And so you have to change and adapt. You can't be the same thing every week. We're playing a different opponent. It's not stagnant. And so you got to give your players the best chance to perform at the highest level. If I'd have been the GM in Green Bay and I lost Devontae Adams, I would have gone to Aaron and said, look, we're going to get two tight ends in here. We're going to be in a lot of 12. We're going to run the shit out of the ball. We're going to be physical up front because we don't have, we're going to have young receivers that won't know what the hell to do. And we're going to have to play action past this thing, and we're going to have to figure it out. And we'll get you a cob in here to run the slot stuff. But that's how we, we got to design an offense each week to win. We can't design, we can't run this offense. Why doesn't everybody him. do that? Why doesn't everybody do that? that? That seems to be like what every fan thinks that their team does, you know? But it's always they like, don't do it. why? Because they all, they're all looking at that sheet, and they got all those plays there, and they just run what they run. I mean, this is our offense. We got to run it, and it's it's a cop out. It's Walsh's. Walsh used to say it's just blame the players. Oh, it's the players' fault. Now look, you know I'm critical of players, but I'm I'm also critical of when they don't give them a chance to win. Like I don't think Brady is set up perfectly to win because he doesn't have what he needs the most to win. And I love Tom, and I'm not defending him. But that's the reality. Rodgers, to me, he's won 13 games last. He's gotten everybody contract extensions, and now all of a sudden it's all his fault. Whoo! All right, so he obviously burned the place down on the way out the door right there. So, <laughs> and, again, I don't agree with everything he says, but he makes a great point there with the tight end situation. We went into the season with a tight end that was recovering from an ACL and a third-round pick that PFF suggests – is not a starting caliber tight end. Mercedes Lewis um, graded out as a top 10 tight end last year, but we all know he's more of a blocking tight end and not, not kind of that pass-catching threat, um, at least at, at the level that, that you need. So what Lombardi's saying is, look, why didn't we get two tight ends in here, run 12 personnel, run the crap out of the ball, go play action? It's like we 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 got cocky. You know, we got arrogant. Oh, you know, we can con continue to do what we've been doing. Now, it's funny so, it, that – Lombardi points out, and again, I read I read the resume. This isn't this isn't Clayton, okay? UNLV, San Francisco 49ers, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, Philadelphia Eagles, Oakland Raiders, Cleveland Browns, New England Patriots, two-time Super Bowl champion. He's sitting here saying all they're doing is going off the call sheet and not allowing superstar players to have more, more input in the system. Now, why do I point that out, Jacob? I did a study 
on everybody who runs the wide zone boot scheme. Now, for those of you listening, the wide zone boot scheme is the Shanahan tree, okay? Kyle Shanahan, it's something that's kind of evolved from his dad's offense. His dad was an old West Coast guy, so there are West Coast principles, but the wide zone boot scheme is designed to be a zone run D, a zone run offense and to utilize play action pass with tight formation, tight split formations. Okay. Meaning like you're you see the Packers come out and they'll come out in a, an ace eleven look, but there's no wide receivers beyond, you know, beyond five yards from the, the nearest offensive line, right? They don't do it all the time, but they do it occasionally. It's funny when they when they get away from that and go spread, everybody goes, here goes Aaron Rodgers running McCarthy's offense. And it's like Teams have caught on. When I did that study for PPP, which is basically points per play, it's like the hot statistic that everybody in the gambling world uses to determine how powerful or how strong an offense actually is. Everybody across the board is struggling within the wide zone boot other than Seattle, Miami, Cincy, and now Minnesota starting to struggle a little bit. I went to Seattle's tape, Jacob, and they are in shotgun. It was something like 20 25% more than Green Bay is. So we're leaning more on the Shanahan style system than the teams that are having success, like in Miami. In Miami, you see it's quick passing, gun set, all the things that everybody said they hated about the Packers offense in the first three, four games before Aaron got hurt. Um, but the difference is Seattle, you got two number one wide receivers. Miami, you got two number one wide receivers. Cincy, you got a number one wide receiver. I had to eat crow because I said we wouldn't miss Devontae, but I agree with what Lombardi's saying here, man. Like you, you can't, they, they set this team up for failure, and I don't know if it's just arrogance in the front office and thinking, okay, our players are, are better than people think or what, but they're definitely not performing at that level according to PFF. But what's your take on all that, man? Yeah, so as I was listening to that and then kind of with your reasoning, as I look at some of these numbers that I actually looked up just randomly for the other podcast and just for having it kind of here, when you look at Alan Lazard's target share this last – season he's at 21.1 percent target share he's got a 32.2 percent air yard share now i don't have the information in front of me but i know for a fact that last year almost every single game Devonte's target share was anywhere from 30 to 55 some games were even insanely larger than that now what's cool and what's interesting is to go along with uh, uh, lombardi's thesis i guess here it's starting to show true when you get christian watson in there since week 10 he bumps up to a 24.4% target share, but he has a 50% end zone target share and a 44.8 air yard share. So, and then in the last three games, you know, this doesn't necessarily equate to wins, but he's the number wide, re wide receiver three, wide receiver eight, and wide receiver 10 in fantasy points, which again, that's fantasy. So take that with a grain of salt, but that does a lot of times equate a good fantasy score means you're still production. Yeah, it's production. It's just a different way of measuring production. Um, you know, so a, that that way that he reasons it out like you said we were not utilizing basically it just shows that yeah we tried to take uh, Devonte out plug lazard in i myself even said he could be a wide receiver one if we give him Dude, he had me full, bro. <laughs> and then it's just he's not that type of receiver and it's um and like you said people making fun of um jordan loves 63 yard touchdown pass saying that it's a it was just like a five yard cross or whatever it was well yeah that's what the quarterback's supposed to do. You think, look at Tyreek Hills. Oh, here's another awesome stat. I don't have it in front of me, but I memorized it, I'm sure, because it blew me away. It was Christian Watson. He had ran, at, he got clocked in on one of the plays at 21.7 miles per hour. And it was, the, it was the fastest time that any player was clocked this season. 
And it was the 12th time that he himself has gotten clocked over 20 miles per hour. And that's second in the league to anybody other than Tyreek Hill with 18. I just think that's a different freak. And now look at Tyreek Hill is like, what is he in the five, nine, something like that? Five, 10. Our guy is a legit six, four who can just burst. I mean, if you, if that doesn't make you excited in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I mean, I, I get being, I've had a up and down season. I never, I talked about it with Ryan and with you about how almost shamed I am that <laughs> my mood and overall like happiness level is tied to the Packers winning or losing. <laughs> That's just the way I was, I grew up, man. It's, it's hey, dude, you're a diehard fan, man. I completely relate. You know, it's funny because when I committed to doing the podcast and, and especially doing four episodes a week, Man, as soon as we went and started going on this losing streak, I was like, "It's tough." All right, dude, you're gonna have to put your big boy pants on and just get through it <laughs> because it's yeah. it's not fun to talk about a team that you uh, that you really enjoy watching struggling the way that they are, you know. But um, let's go to the updated points per play stats, okay? Um, in the entire NFL right now, Seattle .447 points per play. They're number one. So I'm gonna read off. The order here of the top 10. Number one, Seattle, two, Kansas City, three, Buffalo, four, Philadelphia, five, Miami, six, Dallas, seven, Baltimore, eight, Detroit, nine, Cincy. Okay. So again, let's go to the only three teams to the best of my knowledge here. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta could be considered a wide zone boot scheme or because he comes from that tree. Arthur does. He was in Tennessee when LaFleur was there. He was a tight ends coach, I believe. He got promoted as he as he came along, the head coach in Atlanta, I'm referring to. But Seattle at number one, right? I just told you when I broke it down, they are not playing under center as much as, you know, Green Bay. They're in the gun. They're running a lot of spread sets, that type of thing. So he, the, the guy that runs, I can't remember his name now. It escapes me. But the guy who runs the offense there in Seattle was actually the offensive coordinator or offensive assistant in L.A. with the Rams, um, several years ago. So that's where he comes from there at that lineage. Again, Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Miami is the next one. Miami pointed out same exact thing. Now, they their offense, Jacob, looks – when I watch the tape, I watch two games. I watched, I just watched it one time through. I watched a two-game saturation, one snap, every single snap of two games, and they look just like the 49ers offense. So they run that Kyle Shanahan approach to this scheme. We have always leaned towards the Sean McVay version of it. Okay, now you're probably asking, where's Sean McVay at? Where's his Rams at, right? The L.A. Rams are 30th, Jacob, 30th in the league. Okay, now let me go back. Where's Green Bay? Green Bay is 24th in PPP. 
Right. Well, and also, now, I think, could you argue that the second that Cooper Cup left that team, then they went from a, that's basically us losing Devontae. Again, it kind of is proven our thesis again there. Bingo. Bingo. Now, on top of that, who was their number one target last year other than Cooper Cup? OBJ. Uh, yeah. And OBJ and then they lost Robinson on. this year again when they, so yeah, they lose their and, second. And they went one. out and they went out and got Allen Robinson, right? And, yeah. And that, in my opinion, I thought was a stupid move. It was a stupid move at the time. Everybody got all giddy about it. And I'm like, this dude really hasn't proven anything. I don't understand no. why everybody's excited. And and I honestly, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, he'll probably prove me wrong, but I just don't see it. And it's been kind of the opposite. So um, on to the next video here. And uh, this, uh, this one here is um, – it's interesting because we're going to tie the Patriots in here a little bit. Why do I mention that? The Patriots, guys – Last year, we're in the top 10 in PPP. This year, they're 15th, right? I'm sure you guys have seen it by now, the video of Mac Jones going off on the sideline. Have you seen that, Jacob? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. So he basically, what's he do? He he looks over at Matt Patricia, and some people are saying he said the running game isn't working. Other people are saying he said the quick game isn't working. We need to throw the effing ball. Who does that sound like? That not sound like Aaron Rodgers to you? Yeah. <laughs> so I think what we're getting is teams have adjusted, and I've seen it on tape, and how they're they're clogging the throwing lanes, they're clogging the box, they're playing the the quick game RPO, they're taking that away, right? Um, and and they're basically just, I mean, we've seen it all the the first quarter of the season. How many times did you see Aaron try to throw that quick pass out? And there was a DB on it, bam, hit the guy, and it was it was either minimal or you know or no gain. So the same thing has happened in New England. Why do I mention that? New England was a top 10 offense last year. I think they were a top five offense, actually, with Mac Jones at the helm, a rookie quarterback. This offseason, they made the switch to guess what, guys? The wide zone boot scheme, right? And typically, Belichick is one step ahead of everybody else. In my opinion, he's a little late to the party. And I'm not saying you scrap the scheme. I'm saying our coach has got to get his head out of his rear end and adjust this offense, as we go, that's what the great coaches do. Everybody's screaming for, for Joe Barry to do it, but nobody's screaming for Matt LaFleur to do it with the offense, right? And and it's not to say he should be fired. I love Matt LaFleur. I think he's a great head coach. I think he's the coach of the future. But there has got to be adjustments made. But let's play this video here real quick as I share my screen. And this is Michael Lombardi again. Um, I'm not going to read his resume again, but again, here, here we go. This is on VEASAN, okay? This comes courtesy of VEASAN, which is uh, basically a gambling site, and Lombardi does a lot of gambling talk. And um, on, on this clip here, he's talking about the Patriots' problems. And tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. And I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong, but to me, when I watch the Patriots, they don't have an offense. They just run a bunch of plays. I'm going to move on in think, case it was down too low. And I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong, but to me, when I watch the Patriots, they don't have an offense. They just run a bunch of plays. You know, I think he was calling for, as he said in the postgame presser, he wanted chunk plays. They were trailing after the first quarter the rest of the way. He was calling for deeper throws. That's kind of been the theme for the Patriots all year, right? The inability to stretch the field. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they can't. And, they've, and one of the things they wanted to do was stretch the field. You know, last year they were the best team in terms of being able to go 8, 9, 10, 12 plays. You could see it with the Raiders. I mean, Josh right. McDaniel's Raiders offense is very methodical. Four yards, seven yards, tw 10. You know, they make some big plays, but the way he calls the game, he possesses the football. Yesterday, the, the, the Buffalo Bills possessed the ball 38 minutes to the Patriots 21. 
Patriots had the ball nine plays in the second quarter, couldn't do anything with it. So, yeah, I mean, they, they don't have any – they have players that can get down the field. They don't have big strike ability. They don't. You can blame it on Mac Jones. You can blame it on, you know, the offensive line. There's a thousand reasons to blame it. It's just not there. All you know is last year they were a top ten offense. This year they're not. There's a thousand reasons you can blame it. A thousand things you can blame it on, he says, right? And he said you can blame it on Mac Jones. You can blame it on all the offensive line. Does that not sound familiar from the first half of our season, Jacob? <laughs> yeah, man. It's almost – you could just swap out, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. And, and what's crazy is I was listening to a post-game show and the guys that host it, they've been with the New England Patriots forever. And he says, um, his name's uh, Paul Perillo. And he said, um, you know, it's obvious on the field. And a, a fan called in and talked about it. And Paul said, I, I agree with the call. It's obvious that on the field, you can see this is too complex for these players. You're going to have to dummy this down a little bit. And and I was just like, oh, my gosh, dude, this sounds like Green Bay. Sport. Like, it, it, it doesn't sound like Green Bay sports talk it sounded like what Aaron Rodgers was saying early in the season. And everybody immediately took that as it's just the receivers. I think he was – I even think he was talking about defense to a certain extent because it's obvious that defenders were blowing assignments, right? So um, what's your take on all that, man? Anything uh, anything sparked in your mind? I know he's talking about Mac Jones is wanting deeper throws. Mac Jones wants to stretch the field. He wants to get away from the quick game, this and that. I think all year long we've looked at it like Aaron wanted to play the quick game. And I'm sorry, this this is LaFleur's offense. I, yeah. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise. When I go watch the tape and I see what they try to do and they just poorly execute, I don't look at this and go, yeah, this ain't LaFleur's offense. I look at it and go, we freaking suck at the at the little things. Yeah, um, when I was, again, just listening to that clip, you know, he's talking about the importance of being able to stretch the field and that sort of thing. And just one other little quib about uh watson is in this in this stretch since he's been really great since week 10 he ranks eighth in yards per route run which is immediately right behind cd lamb a minimum of 25 targets and then they talked about how in this specific upcoming matchup i believe the bears are going to be missing yeah so kindle vildor who is not great he's going to be questionable and he'd probably be the one covering watson kyler gordon's out jaquan brisker their starting safety is out so they're their, their secondary is going to be completely busted up. And so basically 66% of all of coverage snaps are going to be against nobodies or very, very slow backups. So, there, I mean, if you guys have a fantasy team, right now Christian Watson is still severely undervalued. So he's one of those guys that you can plug in, and he's been just lights out. And they're, they're, they're projecting that he's going to have a good game this, this upcoming yeah. matchup. <clears throat> yeah, and what's funny is we're not even talking about the running game. But on Sunday, Jacob, on Sunday, me, you, and every other Packer fan watching will be screaming at the at the screen, run the ball, run the ball. Yeah. And we're not even talking about it, right? So right. everything going into this game screams Christian Watson should have a big game. They should really try to gear the game plan around attacking with the pass. But yet when they do it, we will sit here and complain about it. <laughs> I have a chart. I have another chart that I thought was really kind of worth noting. It was just highlighting the difference between the way that we've been utilizing Jones and Dylan specifically over the, just the last two weeks, weeks 11 and 12. Mm -hmm. So for, I, and it really was kind of eye popping just because of the way that it's spread out. So Aaron Jones, 24 rushing attempts to AJ Dylan's 14. He's had 12 targets. Jones has to Dylan's five. He's ran 44 routes, ran to AJ Dylan's 24. And then this was the big shocker red zone opportunities. AJ, uh, AJ Jones, Aaron Jones, five, AJ Dillon, one. 
Wow. And to me, the red zone goal stuff, because when you think, you know, when you're down there in the in the trenches, you'd think you'd plug Dylan in there and just let him, you know, do the whole battering ram thing. But I think it's been it's been harder for us to line up and just do that last year. That's I don't know if that was the fact that we could stretch the field. So defenses, you know, couldn't come up and play in the box as much if that has something to do with it. One thing I did want to ask you as well, this is a really cool site that I found here. It has a lot of just really great little nuggets of information. One of the little quibs they have here again is over their last five games, the Packers are still one of the slowest teams in the NFL in neutral pace. We rank 31st but their neutral passing rate has apparently dipped to 19th. And I, I'm assuming that's just the time it takes you to get up to the line and snap the ball. Gotcha. Wow. What so a cool statistic, man. That's if crazy. that's the case, and if we are literally almost dead last, is that any kind of – because I remember for a while there was this whole, you know, the maybe if it was during the all gas, no brakes stage where we wanted to start running up to the line of scrimmage and then we wanted to have that fast-paced offense. Now, has we just abandoned that or is that not affect our – our place gaming and our, I just, to me, I, that was shocking that we are almost dead last. I, I'm going to be 100% up front here. And I know it's, I'm in the minority with this opinion, but the first few years that LaFleur was here, we were running a hybrid version of the offense. I think we would all agree that it was part, part McCarthy's offense, part LaFleur's. And what happened? We won 13 games. We win 13 more and an MVP, 13 more and an MVP. And it was much faster paced. We all know that during McCarthy's tenure, it was muddle huddle. Muddle huddle is basically, it's kind of half huddle, half not huddle. You're, you're, you're okay, look, let's get to play. Okay, let's get to the line quick. Let's go tempo, tempo, tempo. That really took over in the early 2010s. And then all of a sudden, we get four years in to this coaching staff and things are slowing down. Guys, I know it's fun to blame Aaron Rodgers. I get it, and he's a polarizing figure. This is LaFleur's offense. We have now got to the point where it's probably 80% LaFleur's offense. And if that's the case, you can't get mad at Aaron. Like, this is – I said it the other day on the pod, I'm like, are you guys trying to convince me that Matt LaFleur is pretending to call the plays on the sideline? Like, am I, I'm lost here. Like, and then what you're saying with the tempo, I have seen the same exact thing. And I need to know the, the name of that site because that's a really, that's cool that they organize that stuff. Because when you watch the tape, you don't see them rushing much. You don't see them. All right, let's go tempo. Let's go tempo. It's all right. Slow down. And what did Lombardi say? He said, or uh, Matt McAfee talked about Aaron said, you could get a monkey to run this offense and go, okay, here we go. All we're going to do, just go through your read and throw it here, throw it there, throw it away, right? Like we're in LaFleur's offense right now, and the numbers are, have went back tremendously, right? So with that being said, it's on LaFleur to adjust, to, a change, to change, to adapt to the game. Now, if he's not willing to do that and he's not strong-minded enough to do that, then – I mean, look at the way that Vrabel handles a ball game. I love like, Vrabel. Dude, Vrabel is just like, hey, I don't care what it looks like, whatever it takes to win. And then you look at the way we attack stuff. We kept Amari Rodgers returning punts for how long? Oh, that's the thing, yeah. And it's, well, you hired Rich Basaccia to fix this. Dude, that is on the head coach. That is on the head coach to go, hey, look, that guy can't catch a punt. We see it every day. Get him out of there. 
right? And uh, Justin shared a graphic on Twitter with Keyshawn Nixon's return statistics or whatever. And it was like, what was it? Did you see that graphic? Did you happen to see that, Jacob? Yeah, I thought it was like, what was it, 126 yards? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't want to if, ruin it. If I remember correctly, it was something that hasn't been done in Green Bay in 50 years. It was, so, I think he was the only Packer player to have done it. Yeah, since yeah, 50 years or something. Yeah. So, with that being said, it's like, you know, how in the world did we evaluate this roster? and determine that Darnell Savage is the best safety to put on the field. Yeah. And Amari Rogers is the best punt returner. Like what how did we how do we how do we come up with the offensive line we did early on, Jake? Have you seen how the offensive line has gotten so much better since we pulled Royce Newman? Exactly. Why did we have Royce Newman in for so long? Like yeah. there are decisions that are being made that that looking back now it's like wow man, no wonder the season has gone the way it has. Look at look at the bad decisions that's been made. And then you couple that with the injury to Aaron Rodgers. And, and forget the injury for a second. Aaron has underplayed, period. Throwing interceptions, making bad decisions. That doesn't have anything to do with the injury, right? Or not as much to do with the injury, I should say. But yeah, man, it's uh it's a little bit I'm not I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying we have got to we got to understand and accept what the problem is. And it's that we have a coaching staff that's just kind of sitting back going, ah, we'll, we'll see how it goes rather than, all right, they're doing this, this, and this, we need to adjust. And then we get mad when the quarterback comes to the sideline screaming because he's seeing the same thing. Um, it's frustrating. So um, as far as you, you asked the question earlier, I don't even know if I answered it, man. You were asking about Aaron and the fact that Bakhtiari's hurt at left tackle. Um, you got to play Aaron. Um, uh, you know, he, he said he wants to play. The coaching staff and the training staff has determined <laughs> is still the better option to try to win. Now, when you get eliminated, shut him down, put him on IR, and we're going to see what we have in love. And it, it really it, it worries me a little bit about love because if if he is the guy and they know he's the guy, that's that explains to me why they're trying to keep him out of the lineup so they can keep that value down to re-sign him to a deal that's not going to break the bank. And and I, I laid out on the last podcast that you know, how you can make a contract extension work that the cap hit would hit in uh, in 2024. And Aaron most likely will have moved on by then. Uh, I think he'll be like $20 million towards the cap that year. Um, if nobody knows the exact contract, we're not going to get back into that conversation. But just guesstimating, if you give Jordan Love a deal, um, it's going to average out to what Aaron would be paid uh, in cap hit if he was on the roster. So, um I don't know, man. Jordan Love, to me, he looks confident. He looked accurate. He looked like he has plenty of arm strength. He looks like he understands the offense. I love his young feet. It reminded me of a young Aaron Rodgers being able to move yeah. around. Um, I think the future is very bright there. I am starting to lean towards I think Jordan Love might be the guy, and they might think he's the guy. But the last thing you want to do is trot him out there and, uh, and, and you know, say, all right, Aaron, look, we're just going to sit you if there was no injury. And then you raise that stock on up and have to pay him a ton of money when you could probably get a pretty good hometown discount right now. But yeah. um, as we get ready to wrap up here, we're at the 49 minute mark. I know you got a lot of stuff you got to get done. Is there anything else you want to say about any of the stuff that we covered, man? Um, just I found that little um, meme or whatever you want to call it graphic that Justin made. And, and it was Keyshawn Nixon was the first Packer player to register two kickoff returns of. 50 plus yards over the last 40 seasons, which it's <laughs> almost worse, man. I can't yeah. get over two. It's not even like 40 yard touchdowns, just 50 yard returns. <laughs> like, 
Right. And what's it's crazy is bad. And, and when they signed Keyshawn, why did they sign him? Because Rich Passaccia knew who he was and he played with him in Vegas. Right. Yeah. Why did they sign Rudy Ford? Because Rich Passaccia wanted Rudy Ford. Rich Passaccia has got an eye for special teams talent, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, they stuck with Amari as long as they did. I'm sorry, man. If, if Amari had been a fifth round pick, he would not have been returning funds. And this is where front offices screw up all the time, in my opinion, is you try to hold on to guys because they're high draft picks. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake. Acknowledge that mistake as quick as possible. Get them out of the lineup. I've watched Belichick sit first round picks so many times, bro, because he's just like, you are not it, yeah. you know, and uh, and then have someone come out of the out of the ashes there and, and light it up. So um I just hope this coaching staff kind of gets a grab on all that. I don't think the locker room is gone. I don't. And, Jacob, man, I'm going to ask you one more question. Defensively, uh, on Twitter, I know I'm definitely outnumbered. I don't see anybody defending Joe Barry. I see everyone saying, fire Joe Barry, fire Joe Barry. When I watch the tape, when I do chalk talk, I don't look at it and go, man, this scheme's flawed. I'm going, these guys can't tackle and they can't cover. Like, right. they're – they are free. There's. It's not like they're getting a zone that's overloaded and, oh, well, there's nothing he could do there. It's damage control. It's, you know, Jair trying to dump a flat route when he was supposed to cover deep. Coach Hong confirmed that. Go back and watch the tape. It's 100% accurate. You see Quay. You see Savage. You see Amos all Amos. miss the tackle on the same play on, on the same play. <laughs> that's To me, that's not on Barry. And they come at me, and they're going, but it's the coaching staff's uh, responsibility to make them tackle. And I'm like, bro. That's a that's a four and a six year vet, and you're telling me that that Joe Barry, it's his responsibility to make sure they know how to tackle. What? So I would, tackling was well, good last year too, right, Jacob? Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, so I would, I mean, like, yeah, that that rationale doesn't necessarily make sense. If I could maybe somewhat be in that camp, I would I would argue that, like you said, it's not the fact that the coaches aren't getting the skill set out of them, but if they're maybe not structuring let's say practice or pregame run throughs or something that's on the mechanical level. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I want to, I'm more of an emotional type fan. So to me, I'm looking at, is he a motivator? Why isn't he getting these guys so freaking ready to jump out of their skin before every game? You know, mm-hmm. why isn't he more Dan Campbell? Why isn't he headbutting him and bleeding on him and being like, just <laughs> go like, you know how to be a football player. You're most of you are first round draft picks out here. Over half of you are. So, right figure out how to play football again because i'm not going to hold your hand but at the same time if he's like i said if this is weird if he's like i don't want any music on the plane guy i don't want any this on the bus ride guy if i don't want it in the locker room and on the pregame we're all doing this stretch you know i maybe maybe that's why it's a reason he needs to go but yeah yeah man um i'm not going to sit here and, and disagree with you you know because i don't i don't know what the issue i just I just know that when I watch when I watch the tape, I see players underperforming. I don't mm-hmm. see scheme problems. And then when I not I'm not saying all the time, but the majority of the time, that's what I see. And then I go to PFF and they go, "No oh, man, these players are playing like garbage." Like sooner or later, I I I had to accept the fact that okay, maybe Goody is missed on some of these first round picks, and and Quay is one of them. Quay, dude, I love Quay's raw physical talent when he when he makes a tackle it's violent dude and to see him go sideline to sideline and to see his pff coverage grade it's obvious that his strength is covering and you know jake was on the 
postgame show last week, and he kind of talked about it a touch that down there in Georgia with Dean and the other guy, you know, Quay was kind of that that guy that was just in the background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I, I looked back through my draft uh, rankings, and I'm like, where did I have Quay at? I had him 56. And I remember when he was drafted, everybody said, that's such a goody pick. That's such a goody pick. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. Right now, to me, it seems like a miss. I, I hope I'm wrong. And it's early. That's When I say miss, guys, I don't mean, okay, he's a bust, cut him, he'll never work out. I'm saying right now he doesn't look like a first-round talent, and it's going to take yeah. some time to develop. Devontae Wyatt, in my opinion, he looks like he's a hit. Christian Watson, two weeks ago, I said – I kind of have him still in that question mark. He's shown flashes, but, you know, can he do the little things and how, how quickly can he do the little things? That doesn't mean that I wasn't saying that if it's a miss, they need to cut him. I'm saying a hit is this guy can contribute right now. And now Christian Watson has moved into that. That's a hit. That dude can contribute. He has gotten so good at everything, Jacob. It's amazing. Like that catch in traffic where he cut the dude's spleen or whatever. <laughs> did, and he did, you see, did you see uh, who was the – uh, safety, really. Uh, I think it was Darius Slayton. He was talking about how yeah, Slay, I believe, was, he, play Slay, Darius right? Slay, yeah. And uh, he was trying to chase him down, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry, I got the angle." And then apparently Watson just turned on the burners, and he just he's like, "Oh, nope, don't have the angle, crap." Like just he said, just, when you when you uh, when you outrun angles at the NFL, you're fast. Yeah, and that's what he's done. And I broke that play down on Chalk Talk, and the thing that I pointed out, me and Dusty Evely had a good conversation about it on Twitter, is. Yes, he had the speed. He made the catch. He had the rack. He outrun the angle of the safety, all those things. But the thing I got most excited about was the route because they were playing a single high man look, and you can tell the defender knows I've got to cover deep sideline. If they if they do a nine fade here, I'm not getting cooked. But he played he, – he actually held his ground pretty well. Christian Watson comes off the line, and you can tell Christian wants to break it in. He wants to run that slant, cl- slant climb, crosser, whatever you want to call it. I think it was more of a choice route. But he wants to run that route and get started on it. But that DB hadn't committed yet. And he took it just a half a step further. And as soon as the DB flipped his hips, he's gone. And I I pointed at the Dusty. I'm like, bro, that right there is what impressed me more than anything. He's understanding how to play the wide receiver position. And we all know he's got the raw talent. And uh, Dusty hit back and said something about, yeah, I think people are really underestimating the little nuances that Christian Watson has picked up is doing really well. So I'm excited, man. I think we've – We've got us a, a future, if not already, number one wide receiver. The question is, are we going to sit back like we have in the past and just go, that's good enough, or are they going to go out and get a number, another number one wide receiver like, a, like I said, Seattle, Miami has done? That's, that's what we need. Yeah. And uh, you, add in, you add in two solid number one wide receivers, you know, Christian Watson being one if he, if he continues to develop, and then anyone else you add. Now you're gonna you're gonna start to see, and let's not forget we got Dobbs coming back possibly this week, and that's another fourth rounder pick that that in the beginning of the season people were not talking about Watson, we were talking about Dobbs, you know, right. which is you know that's great. I'm glad we got two guys that possibly. I mean, even Samari Tori, man, let's at least he's yeah. he's shown flashes too. I mean, I'm honestly I'm excited. I'm excited. We should be excited about our young guys. Yeah, absolutely. The only reason I'm pumping the brakes on Dobbs is his PFF grade is is fairly low and uh, i haven't ever seen a wide receiver have a low pff grade that that ended up being you know like great that season not that they couldn't you know progress as they go on but uh you're right dude 
everybody was talking about Dobbs, and and he is playing Sunday, right? It looks like he's questionable, but he's practiced all week, so I think he will be a go. Cool. That'll be exciting to see those two on the field because, man, you got Cobb and you got Dobbs and Watson on the outside with Cobb in the middle and that 11 personnel. That's exciting stuff, dude. And that's another thing, real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Cobb, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is like the 14th ranked wide receiver out of like 122 this year. So quietly mm-hmm. having like a really great, really great year. Yeah. And, and think of what he's getting paid, too. Like, it's crazy. It, Here's the thing. I think he missed a couple of games still. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If Aaron comes back next year, if he doesn't retire, then Cobb will be back. And obviously, Bach will be back. I know Bach's missing because of the something totally, you know, unrelated to the uh, to the knee. He had some kind of was appendectomy or whatever. I believe. Yeah, I was out of nowhere. Yeah, for real. Dude can't catch a break. But uh, with that being said, though, Aaron and Cobb both coming back. If Aaron decides to come back, I think they'll re-sign Cobb. So your wide receiver room next year is going to be because Lazard will be gone, right? Amari's already gone. It's going to be Watson, Dobbs, and Cobb. What can you add to that for a good rotation? You know what I mean? Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dying on that hill, man. I'm yeah, dead. <laughs> all right, we're going to get out of here, guys. Um, really appreciate you. Thank you all for uh, hanging out with us here on this Saturday afternoon. And uh, I know we've got a Packernet Fantasy Podcast is going to be going live later this afternoon as well. So Yeah, check that out. This is a shameless plug. It's a fun one. We just go on there and crack up. I like to throw in some um, audio edits and stuff that end up making fun of the guys and myself pretty good. So it's it's all fun. That's what it's all about, dude. That's what it's all about. It's it's a very fun podcast. I enjoy listening to it. So, all right. Appreciate everybody for hanging out with us. Um, Let's uh, let's go out and have an awesome Saturday. There's going to be some good college football on today as far as uh, championship games. That's going to be uh, really cool to kind of see unfold. And then tomorrow we got Bears, man. Everybody get some rest. And we need to come out. And uh, I think if we win that game, we've got more wins than anybody in the history oh, yeah. of the league. Yep. Right? We didn't even talk about that. But, yeah, we got to win yeah. this one. That's why I'm, everybody out there is saying we need to tank for a better pick. Shut up. There's more on the line, guys. And Let's like go. John Madden said, the second that, that every game isn't about winning, we don't have a sport anymore. So appreciate you guys for listening. And as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Is to go. The Vader. 17 to 14.